Hey everybody, quick content note today. We are going to be talking about vaginas, probably in some detail. Uh, if you have young children, honestly, I think you should let them listen to this. But if you are sensitive to that sort of thing or just prefer not to have that discussion right now, I don't blame you. Uh, so just wanted to give you a warning if you're listening to this with small children. You know, when I think about it, it's really them I'm fighting for. There's someone like my mom and my dad and my grandparent who are, they have no one to speak up for them. If I can do that with all of these things that make me more legitimate, like my education, my professional background, I'm going to do it. It's not, a, it's not a question to me. I think they've spent their life like on a mission of self-preservation and providing for themselves and their family and safety. But I feel like now it's my responsibility to put that back out because I'm very much, you know, safe where I am in life. And there's a lot of people who aren't. So I'd rather put myself on the line than, than them who are much more vulnerable. You're listening to Chief Executive Auntie, the podcast exploring the work lives of Asian Americans beyond the conventional doctor, lawyer, and engineer. I'm your host, Jennifer Dwan Faltz. Everybody. My guest today is Maddie Siriotai, the co-founder of OV Health. It is a information hub for people with vaginas. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you. Super happy to be here. So tell me in your own words, what do you really do? So what I really do is <laughs> I write and talk about vaginas, mostly the things that most people don't like to talk about um, or get really uncomfortable about. So sex and periods and kind of even going beyond that, the more uncomfortable parts of sex and periods. So like I have a really heavy flow. Is that normal? Or I want to try anal for the first time. How do I do that? Um, so really, really, that's what I do. But what I tell uh, my relatives is <laughs> I work in a women's, women's uh, health. And they're like, oh, great. That's so wonderful. So noble. But really, I'm like all day, I'm like reading articles or writing articles about like, so if you want to try anal for the first time, here are your steps, <laughs> like one, two, three, four, or like, hey, um, here are all these different period products. And this is how I deal with my like, heavy flow or like, oh my God, I just like bled all over my pants. So yeah, definitely two sides, two very different sides of the same coin. Do your relatives know what you really do? <laughs> <laughs> um, they have to, right? Like I put it everywhere. I think, I think my mom and my dad are just finally starting to understand. Um, it's so cute. My dad will send me like pictures of like the Dem debates and be like, Maddie, look, uh, you know, keep an eye out for Bernie. He really, really supports women's choice and like <laughs> sexual reproduction and like women's like women's health. And I was like, oh, thanks for the tip, Dad. Yeah, I'll definitely. <laughs> I think I'm just like trying to relate to it in a way yeah. that makes sense for him. That's adorable. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying. They, yeah, they definitely sanitize it for um, 
you know, like our, my aunties and my uncles and my grandma. And they're like, oh, Madeline, she's, she's working on women's health and she's helping with women's health in Puerto Rico. So noble. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think I think they've definitely seen and explored like the site or the social media, and they're like, "Ooh, I don't really know if I want to know like this side of my daughter," <laughs> because a lot of uh, what we do is like it's if there's a Venn diagram of like education and information, but also like personal stories um, that kind of that make you feel less alone that make you feel like you're not weird or free for experiencing or being curious about the things you are. I feel like Obi lives in that little Venn diagram or the intersection of that Venn diagram. Um, so a lot of it is like me talking about my own experience, but then bringing in, you know, um, the education or facts to back it up and same with the rest of our writers too. That's super interesting. I participated in a sex education facilitator training last summer, and we talked a lot about the role of self-disclosure in a teaching Mm -hmm. environment and when is it appropriate and when is it help versus when it's helpful, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. which I thought was a super interesting conversation. Where do you, you know, where do you draw the line? (laughs) I I think that's, yeah, it's, it's a really hard line to toe because like someone was asking me about this earlier. They're like, aren't you afraid that when people Google you, they're just going to like, just know everything about you. And I think, I think it's a matter of like personal boundaries. Like there are some things that I will talk about just on end like my period like yeah I'll tell you about my heavy flow when I like got got like this uh, menstrual cup stuck inside my body oh uh, no I know it was, it was really really scary I was like oh my god I, if I have to go into the emergency room for this I'm gonna be so mad <laughs> um, I'm not gonna want to explain that bill <laughs> um yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, it's a matter of personal boundaries and also reading the room. Um, mm-hmm. Because when it comes to self disclosure, I feel like a lot of people want to talk about it, um, but they're kind of waiting for permission to. And the way that I give permission is talking about myself. So if someone's curious about like a period product or a sex thing, I'll be like, yeah, I tried this and it's great. Like, do you want to learn more about it? Um, do you have any questions that you? You know, if you want to know more about my experience and how can I help you out with yours? And so I think it's a form of permission in like a less like uh, formal way. Yeah. And, you know, and sex and pleasure and bodies and periods, like it's all so personal. Mm-hmm. And but it, do, it is really helpful to be like, OK, I'm not the only one who's mm-hmm. like capacitated for one day a month because Mm -hmm. I'm bleeding out of my vagina it's good to know um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so how did Ovi get started yeah it's it's a fun fun long winding story so actually I have two other co-founders uh Jane and Courtney and we all met getting our MFA in design and technology at Parsons Uh, and actually they're two years ahead of me so by the time I met them, they were already graduated. And their thing was like, uh, we don't really want to go out in the real world yet. So we're going to join this like digital health incubator, come up with this idea. And then Obi started there as kind of like a amorphous blob of an idea that was going to be the pro or the solution to all health 
And then, you know, obviously you can't solve every single health problem ever. So eventually went back to the drawing board and was like, um, what actually what happened was Jane had a really bad infection and she had to go from doctor to doctor, like go all over the city of Manhattan to find like a solution. And, and she couldn't for like this infection. And so she was like, it shouldn't be this hard. And then we were like, well, OB should try to alleviate those, that issue of not being able to find resources when you can, especially in a big city like New York, where you feel like it should be abundant. Um, you know, we want to be sort of that facilitator to help people navigate their sexual and reproductive health. And then since then, we've been really focusing on um, women's sexual and reproductive health or vagina havers and um, kind of focusing more on the more taboo things like periods and sex. Cool. What does a typical work day look like for you? <laughs> oh, God. I, I wake up. I, you know, schedule some posts because I, I handle all of the digital content and um, everything. So I honestly, a good part of it is like making memes or like, what's like a funny thing I could say about like sex or periods and like what memes are the, the use doing or whatever are up to these days like and so a good part of it is um, I like to call it research but I'm like just scrolling through like Twitter or <laughs> Pinterest of like memes 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 and I schedule out like relating it to our content um <clears throat> and then like some information thrown in there to put on our social media and then a good chunk of it is me just reading and writing um, the articles that go up on our website. And so I think the ones that I'm working on right now are about um, abortion, uh, fertility, um, and then what it's like to have a period when you don't identify as a woman, mm -hmm. um, periods beyond the binary. And they're, yeah, and they're all over the place, I guess, like, one day I'll be working on, like, anal play or, like, BDSM, and the next day it's, like, abortion policy and legislation. Um, and then once a week I send out a newsletter called The State of the Uterus, which is basically a weekly newsletter where I summarize all of the um, sexual rep reproductive healthcare news. So that's, like, a full day of me just, like, reading um all the headlines that happened the last week and summarizing them and um it's very interesting I learn a lot I try not to get demoralized by it right <laughs> because I'm like oh okay so this state sucks and this state sucks and this is what Trump's doing and da, 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 da. but I mean it's also good to see that um there's a lot of pushback there's a lot of people and and state governments like being like no we're gonna protect uh, a person's right to choose so that's it's good it's good it's not always demoralizing I would say it's like 50 50 good <laughs> <laughs> I learn a lot at the very least <laughs> for sure for sure and how has the audience response been to your content oh it's it's very um they love it I mean is that tooting my own horn I don't know <laughs> no it's not no it's not uh yeah I think I think it has a lot to do with um, taking the taboo topics 
and educational information, but also putting it in a voice that's like, hey, we're talking about it. We're going to be unapologetic about it. And we're going to be very transparent and personal with you. Um, So they feel like they're talking to like a person. If you read through um, like our social media or like on our website, it's very much like someone you know is is speaking to you and they're welcoming you in into this space where um you're you're learning and it's okay that you're learning that's awesome so (laughs) ov is your full-time gig right now yeah yeah ov full-time um well i i actually was just um brought on to the board of directors for the lao american national alliance which is uh, a national advocacy group for like the advancement of Lao people, uh, literally like, like two days ago. So thank you. Thank you. So I'm very excited to, to work on that. Um, because Lao people as a minority group, they're, and I guess Southeast Asians in general, just are kind of overlooked and left out of the Asian American, um, advancement conversation. Um, I don't, I think, like, especially if you're Asian yourself, you kind of know that there's more of a skew toward East Asian representation um, in politics and media. So we're really just fighting for for our own voice and representation there, Um, especially since there's been a deportation order of Lao and Hmong people. And so that's been Um, that's going to be our main focus for the next couple of months is how we're going to address and fight back these deportation orders. Yeah, that is definitely such important work. And Mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully I can help give your, give your voice more of a platform too. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I'll talk to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) To all three of my listeners, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll like, like, what do you want to talk about? Your your vagina, uh, allow people. I don't know anything. <laughs> um, what are some of your? What are I guess organizationally? What are mm-hmm. some of the six month, one year, five year mm-hmm. goals that OB has? So six months from now, we would um, like to. Since we are based in Puerto Rico, we're going to start moving our content to Spanish, specifically Puerto Rican Spanish. So six months by the end of the year, we'll, I, we'll have um, a site dedicated to Puerto Rican Spanish um, because Puerto Rican Spanish is very, very different than um, any other Spanish. It's like Spanglish, essentially. Um and I guess that's true for, for all dialects. And to stay, to stay true to Obi's whole brand voice and mission of that personability, like you're talking to someone that you know, we have to be very conscious of how we translate our content mm-hmm. instead of, um, there's such a thing as neutral Spanish, but it'd be like basically be like reading like an academic paper, be very right, right. So yeah, yeah. Um, someone explained it to me like if... Uh, the dialects of like Puerto Rican Spanish and like other dialects would be like American English and like UK English. Like they're very different. They're technically the same language, but there's slang and words and phrases that mean different things that don't translate well. So we really yeah. want to cater to the Puerto Rican uh, audience by, by the end of the year and hopefully have um, 
a website for them and the social media page and have a, a very strong community here. Um, how, did you, then, how did you end up in Puerto Rico? <laughs> yeah, so we, we applied to this grant. Um, that was honestly like a long shot. Uh, it's like this program that they do through the Puerto Rican Research Science and Technology Research Trust. Yes, I think that's the right order of words. Um, where they, they bring in all of these companies from all over the world and they just work out of Puerto Rico for six months. And the whole idea is to grow and develop the, the Puerto Rican economy, create jobs, um, establish community. And we applied and we were like, uh, it's a long shot, <laughs> but now we're here. So it's there you great. Are. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing because now we have friends from Chile. We have friends from India, Spain, the UK. Like it's, it's crazy. That's amazing. Um, do you anticipate staying in Puerto Rico as your base of operations? Yeah. I mean, we're based in New York and I love New York. If my ideal situation, it's like, things just take off from here and we can't not have a Puerto Rican office. And I would love to like split my time between Puerto Rico and New York, like be one of those people who like winters somewhere. Like I, I could winter in Puerto Rico and you work. And we both, it's like <laughs> it's 30 degrees outside where I live. Oh so. my God. <laughs> and it will be that way until April. So. Oh God. Wait, where do you, where do you live? Where are you based? I'm in Indiana right now. Oh, okay. So I'm actually, um, originally from Minnesota. So Midwest Okay, so you know cold. <laughs> I know cold. I know cold. So yeah. <laughs> First eighteen years of my life in the Midwest. And then, then I went to Missouri. And then I was like, I need to get out of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> and then New York, which is still cold. Still cold. <laughs> <laughs> still cold, yeah. Cool. That is such an interesting story. So then a year from now, what do you think you mm -hmm. want to be doing? A year from now, um I'm hoping that we can expand more, grow more. Um, so even in the U.S., we're pretty, we're pretty like bi-coastal. Um, so like we're we have a lot of our community members in New York and a lot in um, the West Coast, and then like some in the South. But there's like that whole middle of the country that is just sweet. I don't know. There's just like not a lot of people who know about us there. And so I, I would really like, and I guess it's more of an ongoing thing, but I would really like to have a cohesive um, audience that is coast to coast and everything, everything in between. Um, I think, yeah, getting Obi on that national stage is going to be an interesting, interesting challenge. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if, um, I don't know if you could get like speaking opportunities at a, yeah. at a, at a more, you know, either regional yeah. or national level, like conferences, that kind of thing. Oh, I wonder yeah. if that could be something you could pursue. Yeah, yeah. We've definitely looked into that sort of thing. Um, we, we go to a lot of trade shows and we have booths and, you know, we talk to people that way, which has been really great. But to be seen as like more of an authority, I would love to love to speak about, I don't know, something, sex and periods. Or <laughs> I bet. I wonder if like the college campus circuit would be a yeah. good fit for you um, because yeah. that's when 
that's when everyone's just trying to figure this out. That's, yeah, that's in every possible way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I would love to go speak um, anywhere to anyone. Um, because I just also just like talking to people um, about these things that people don't like talking about. I know um, we're starting up these chapter programs at universities, starting with our, our alma, mater, alma mater, the new school um, where Parsons is located. So that will be cool to see how that takes off. And then hopefully we'll be able to replicate that across campuses and have like and like mobilize on the ground and have like the students themselves doing the work um, with us and having those conversations with each other and then having like a, a whole whole army <laughs> yeah I think yeah I think I think college campuses would really be into the education and the advocacy pieces and getting like mm -hmm. student groups started that would be a really neat um way to expand yeah. your reach cool yeah cool um so what advice do you have for other asian americans who maybe want to go into you know work in subjects that might be taboo mm -hmm. with our families and with within <laughs> our cultures i personally have always been against the grain um i <laughs> I've been told that I operate purely out of spite, which can be a very, <laughs> which can be a very a powerful, <laughs> which can be a very powerful motivator, especially um, growing up as a young Asian American girl, having this expectation that you're going to be very docile, very agreeable, that you're not going to cause any trouble, you know, within the family, but also, you know, in in the world with other people who aren't Asian, people who are Asian, they have this expectation of you. And so from a very young age, I was like, no, like, I'm going to say no, I'm going to be loud, I'm going to do whatever I want. And that has, has had, that's had its own consequences for me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> career wise, it's, it's done very well, because my dad, oh my gosh, my dad, he just wanted an engineer so bad, so bad. He, he went to the University of Minnesota and he studied chemical engineering and he, there's four of us and he wanted us to be one of us, just wanted to be an engineer so bad. And we were all like, nope, I'm going to go into sales. I'm going to go into uh, to video production. And then I, I went to journalism school and then um, they're like, okay, okay, like, journalists I can I can deal with that deal with that but um, like okay sure that's like a traditional career path and then I was like ah, actually I don't want to go I don't want to do journalism anymore I think I want to be a designer um, I think I want to yeah be a designer and like work on websites and then I went to Parsons which is like this in, in the design and technology program which is a very very experimental program I was like making video games and like building installations and doing like like all this like electrical engineering in addition to like well there you go engineering <laughs> <laughs> i know i know i was like see i'm like the i'm the closest thing you got you're welcome it only took like <laughs> six years and and then he's like i don't know i just tell everyone that you make websites I'm like okay but um and i had this very cushy job as a as a website designer or a ux ui consultant for the city of new york 
very cushy and they were so proud so happy to tell all my aunties and uncles that Madeline works for the city of New York she's actually a consultant so they need her um and she does blah 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 and then I'm like by the way I'm gonna quit that job and have a startup that pays like little to nothing but makes me really happy and they're like they're like one big question mark they're like why would you ever do that and then I don't know I've always I've always stuck to my guns of like this is what I'm gonna do and you can't tell me this is what I said like you can't tell me shit because I have two degrees and I have all this experience and knowledge and I'm gonna do something with it and I'm not gonna just limit myself to making websites for the department of sanitation in new york like <laughs> how many yeah. websites does the department of sanitation need <laughs> it's like it's like they're, they're like software that they use it's only like the the sanitation workers see it so it's like just that constant upkeep and i'm like this is so boring <laughs> this is so boring so unchallenging unfulfilling and like this while it's very unpredictable um and it doesn't feel safe a lot of times in terms of like what we're talking about and just like financially speaking I more than ever get told that like thank you for what you do um I feel less alone I I now know more and I feel comfortable like talking to you or going to your website like I know you're someone I can turn to and that is better than the six figures I was making at the Department of Sanitation, although I miss that sometimes. But <laughs> but I wouldn't be here otherwise. So to sum it all up, easier said than done, but go for it. Do whatever you want. If If your family or your parents are the ones holding you back, you just have to prove them wrong. You know, operate out of spite. Take that, <laughs> take it and put it out in the world. It sounds very negative to say that you operate out of spite, but it's a very, very powerful thing. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way too. If I, if I, my whole motto for my business is like, okay, I'm looking for something. I can't find it. I'm going to make my own. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I, guess I have 17 side projects at any given time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess I'll do it myself. And it's the same thing with like the Lana or Lao American National Alliance. It's like no one else is stepping up. So I guess I'll step up. I'll take the reins. So I'll figure it out from here. And that's, yeah, basically what, what Ovi is and what Lana is, is just like, guess we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> and yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna make everyone else listen and follow along. Yeah. I think I think our immigrant parents probably have a tendency, mm-hmm. you know, be, because the, because the trauma of immigration is so real, yeah. like, and yeah. even, you know, and my parents came for very good reasons for education, mm-hmm. but even, but still like, it's just such a big traumatic experience mm-hmm. that they do operate for a long time out of fear. And so safety mm-hmm. is like their mm-hmm. biggest thing. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and in talking to all these different freelancers and business owners who are Asian American, I mean, most of their advice oh is like, oh you know, pr- just prove, just prove yeah. the doubters wrong. And sometimes that 
Sometimes that means quitting your job. Sometimes that means making your freelancing so successful that you can buy health insurance <laughs> and then your parents are happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just, it's just, I feel like it's just showing them that there is another mm -hmm. way to do mm -hmm. things. Um, yeah, I, do, I have not had a straight career. I'm like, straight career yeah, path all, all, I'm all, all over the place but I've always made it work um and yeah I think just and I mean I think that was something I had to unlearn was that like mm -hmm. there is one way to get through life yeah. and you must yeah. stick to that and and I understand that it is because my parents stuck mm -hmm. to their path that I can mm -hmm. you know that I can afford yeah, to serve exactly, now. exactly and so I'm very grateful for that mm -hmm. um but I always you know Sometimes I think, well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it kind of be a waste? Wouldn't it kind of be a shame if they worked so hard mm -hmm. to give, you know, to give me a better life and then I just do something that makes me miserable? Like that would yeah. stink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. I don't know if it's like <laughs> my parents or not. I know. They're like, um, I would much rather like, you actually like, be stable and be able to like have insurance and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That thing about like, yeah, they do operate out of fear or just they're seeking stability and safety. So my parents, they came from um, as a result of the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And there's all of this unknown history about Laos's involvement where uh, Laos is actually like the most heavily bombed country in the world because the U.S. just dropped like tons and tons of bombs on them. Um like millions of tons of bombs on them because they thought Viet Cong were hiding in and out, but the Laos was a supposed neutral territory, but they were basically like pawns in a war that they never agreed to be a part of. And so like there's that trauma. And then there's the trauma of, you know, finding refuge and making your way to the U.S. And now you're in the U.S., but how do you navigate the rest of your childhood? Because my parents came when they were... My dad was a teenager. My mom was younger. She was maybe 10. And they met like later on in life, which is beautiful and amazing um, in the States. But yeah, how do you like navigate the rest of your childhood? Like with all of this, this trauma and like so much of this, this weight that you have to carry compared to everyone else around you. And also like, you don't know English, <laughs> right? You know, um, and they were relocated and my dad was in Minnesota. My mom was in Wisconsin. And so that's just like, at the time people just didn't even know who they, what they were, you know, mm -hmm. like, what are you? You're not Chinese. You're not Japanese, but you're clearly not me. So mm -hmm. there's, there's all that. And so a lot of their life has just been like, how do I find the safest path? And how do I stay on that path forever? Like my dad has worked for the same company for his entire career. I'm pretty sure. And, and same with my mom. And then now I just don't think they can comprehend the, their, their eldest daughter um, just hopping from like one thing to one thing. Well, now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing, but it doesn't pay, but it makes me really happy. Or, um, I'm doing this thing and I'm getting a lot of hate from it because I mean, working in sexual reproductive health and being like pro abortion um, and like pro immigration, like all these taking these very bold and strong stances. They're like, why would you ever put yourself 
in danger like that. And it's like, how can I, how can I not? Because like, you know, when I think about it, it's really them I'm fighting for. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's someone like my mom and my dad and my grandparents, like who are, they have no one to speak up for them. And um, if I can do that with, you know, all of these things that make me more legitimate, like my education, my, my professional background. Um, like I'm, I'm going to do it. It's not a, it's not a question to me. So yeah, I think, I think they've spent their life like on a mission of self-preservation and providing for themselves and their family and safety. But I feel like now it's my responsibility to put that back out because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very much, you know, safe where I am in life. And there's a lot of people who aren't. So I'd rather put myself on the line than, than them who are much more vulnerable. Well said. Good. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for yeah. your time today. Um, where can people catch up with you online? Of course. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about OB, uh, our website is www.obee.me, M-E, um, or at OB Health. Me personally, you can email me at Maddie, M-A-D-D-Y, at O-B-E-E.me. Um, my, in- my Instagram and Twitter is Siri. So M-A-D-S-I-R-I-I-I with three eyes <laughs> <laughs> because Mad Siri with two eyes was taken and Mad Siri with one eye was taken. So it's Mad Siri with three eyes at the end. <laughs> and Perfect. yeah, DMs are open. Um, uh, emails are open. Love talking to people, love helping out in any way I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maddie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's very therapeutic to talk about these things. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always nice to connect with someone else who who knows quite literally where you're coming from. So yes, and that's why <laughs> I started this podcast in the first place. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Executive Ante. You can find show notes, resource links, and more Ante rants at chiefexecutiveante.com. That's Chief Executive a-U-N-T-I-E dot com. Special thanks to Sue Ann Shaw, who mixed and mastered this episode and composed the music, Alyssa De La Rosa, who created the branding, and my distribution partner, Mochi Magazine. Check out more stories for Asian American women at www.mochimag.com. That's M-O-C-H-I-M-A-G dot com. See you next time.